0: Thanks for listening, downloading, subscribing, streaming Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. If you don't subscribe, please subscribe already. This is how I keep the podcast free every single week and keep the archives free as well. Plus, bring in the best guests that any wrestling podcast has to offer. I do it through your support. And the way you can support it the easiest is first to subscribe to this show on iTunes. Just go to iTunes, search Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Hit the subscribe button, and while you're there, leave a review for it, and uh, uh, five stars, and hit the five stars. Like it, review it, do the whole thing. The more inter- interaction you have with this podcast on iTunes, the better for us. And if you're going to go shopping, if you're going to use Amazon, go to Amazon. Uh, notsam.com slash Amazon. That's notsam.com slash Amazon. It's the same Amazon website. It's the same great prices, but instead of all that money going to Jeff Bezos a little bit, is going to come back to this here podcast. And that's where you want your money going anyway, isn't it? That way, it's no extra money off your back, but you can contribute to your your greatest form of entertainment each and every week, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. You don't believe me that it's that good? Listen to this week's episode right now. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Well here we are again. Welcome. Episode 139. It's Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It's gonna be a special one today. We've had a a good run of interviews. I've been having a lot of fun talking to the people that I've been talking to. I suggest that everybody go back and take a look at all the previous episodes, all the archives that are available on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to the show. Um, Of course, there's also the state of wrestling. There's a lot to talk about in the state of wrestling. Uh, I'm going to talk about some of my experiences at uh, Money in the Bank Hosting the kickoff show once again, and and the feedback that I got, and 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 trending for some of the comments that I made, specifically about Nakamura. Um, I also, you know, Ellsworth Gate is like the biggest thing in the world of sports entertainment right now. So we'll definitely get into that, uh, uh, and a lot more. The Samoa Joe Roman Reigns thing on Raw, as well as Braun Strowman and Great Balls of Fire, and so much, so so much. But this week. As every week, we start with the interview, and uh, I've been trying, as I can, to uh, to get guests that you guys have specifically asked me for. You guys said, when are you going to do another live show? So I got Cody Rhodes, and I did another live show with Cody Rhodes. You guys asked for Marty Scurll. So I got Marty Scurll on the show, you know, people I wanted to get to know, Kathy Kelly. So I got Kathy Kelly on the show. Um, this week, I get a guest that people... Uh, I've, n- I've never interviewed her before, her. People have, uh, have asked me to talk about her. They've asked me to interview her. Uh, it is definitely a big request and somebody who I think right now is a great time to talk to her because she's hit this new stride in her career that is really remarkable and of course I'm talking about Miss Alexa Bliss. Alexa, and I've said it on the show before, is going to be and it's interesting because she wasn't part of the original women's revolution right she wasn't part of that influx of really what ended up being Becky Lynch Sasha Banks and Charlotte Bailey came after and you know it was those three and then everyone asking where's Bailey where's Bailey and Alexa Bliss was right behind Alexa Bliss is almost on her own island you know I I think that she's more advanced as far as how long she's been and her experience and just the, her, I don't want to say generation, maybe class, is just her. You know, there was there was the Bailey, Sasha Banks, Charlotte, Becky Lynch class. Then there's Alexa Bliss, and then there's more the Dana Brooks, the uh, 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 Nia Jaxes of the world. But um, Alexa Bliss has always kind of been off doing her own thing, and... She had that run in NXT where she kind of took a break from a lot of wrestling and was just paired with Blake and Murphy as a tag team. And, and and so people didn't really, in that at that time, think of her as one of the big female NXT stars. And what's happened since then is she's kind of taken the main roster by storm. I thought she did remarkable things on SmackDown. She's been a highlight on Raw. She's the first woman... To win both the Raw and SmackDown Women's Championship uh, titles. And it's just been so much fun to watch her progress. In, an, in, a, in a time when we talk about how NXT people end up being not successful as they come up to Monday Night Raw and, and SmackDown, Alexa Bliss has been more successful. There's not that many people who have been more successful on the main roster than they were in NXT, and Alexa Bliss is one of them. She's had both main roster women's championships, never having won the NXT Women's Championship. So it's really... it's really, She's got a very unique career, and I think it's only going to get more special. I think Alexa is going to be one of those people who is talked about in the context of history as really one of the blue chippers. I think that... Eventually, You know, as the years go by, people are going to talk about Alexa Bliss as if they always knew she was the star. We're going to talk about Charlotte, and we're going to talk about Alexa Bliss. Right now, that's who I see as the two stars of the women's uh, division. Sasha Banks will always be my favorite wrestler, no shade there. But, just in terms of women who are going to make their mark and who tend to take advantage of every opportunity, and maybe it has to do with opportunities that they're given, and that's, that's a different debate for a different time. But Charlotte and Alexa Bliss, to me right now, are the conversation. And I've never gotten to have a conversation with Alexa Bliss on the record, on the air, to share with you guys. So I went to WWE, and I said, I'd love to get Alexa Bliss on the show. My listeners want to hear about Alexa Bliss. You know, there's 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 a lot to talk about. And they said, Sam, we got you, homie. So, ladies and gentlemen, not Samsonites, I got you. This week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, Alexa Bliss. Glitter, glitz, sparkle, bliss. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Uh, now we welcome to... Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Somebody that's another guest that's been requested for a long, long time. Alexa Bliss. What's the haps, Alexa? Oh,
1: nothing. Just spending my day off in Orlando and getting ready to go to LA for RAW and then Japan.
0: wait Oh man, Japan. Is that your first time wrestling in Japan?
1: Yes, it'll be my first time. I'm super excited. I've always wanted to wrestle in Japan.
0: Yeah, what what does that feel like for you cuz you didn't grow up necessarily a wrestling fan. How much now that you're you're where you are in WWE, how much of a kind of the wrestling world and what it means to be in Japan and the history of this and that, like how much has that inundated your life?
1: Well, I mean, I did I watched wrestling growing up. Like I was I was a big fan of it when I was younger and my grandparents really instilled that in me. Like my grandmother and she loves it to death, and she used to actually carry around pictures of the Great Kabuki and scare us with them, <laughs> saying that it, yeah, saying if we didn't go to bed that the Great Kabuki would come and get us. And uh, you know, so I I knew of, I knew of wrestling growing up for sure. I mean, I didn't really, I mean, my grandparents went to a few indie shows and stuff like that, and I went to a few with them, but I didn't really understand how much of a subculture you know wrestling is. And you know, now being in WWE, it's it's amazing to see the other side of it. You know, growing up I was with my cousins pretending to be the Hardy Boys and Lita and now actually getting to work with the Hardy Boys and working with Lita <laughs> has been amazing. And to be able to go to Japan and, you know, where wrestling is huge and to be able to be in front of a crowd like that is gonna be so incredible.
0: And I think you're underselling yourself. I mean being a a, a kid who knows who the Great Kabuki is, is pretty forward in the world of, uh, <laughs> of wrestling fandom. Even if you don't know anything else, just knowing the Great Kabuki is kind of huge.
1: Well, I said on my WWE tryout, I remember telling uh, Triple H that instead of blowing like the green mist, I wanted to blow glitter like the Great <laughs> Kabuki, and
0: he, he didn't think it was a great idea, but I did. <laughs> yeah, you got to figure out, like, you'd have to have some kind of edible... Glitter, right? Because you—I mean—you'd have to spit the glitter. It, it wouldn't—it wouldn't just be throwing it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, they do have that. I, I used to decorate cupcakes with it, so I'm fully prepared.
0: Oh my god, I'm—I t- believe that one day, maybe, maybe in that moment, it didn't sound like a good idea. But like as you say it to me now, it sounds like an amazing idea, and I believe that one day, one for one show, maybe it's next year at ex- Extreme Rules or something. You've got to figure out a reason to paint your face up and then do the the glitter kabuki spit
1: oh yeah totally
0: <laughs> so uh, uh what's what's life been like because the the video that WWE put out which was great about you uh uh kind of my uh my daughter is a WWE superstar and explaining your journey and talking to your parents and everything you talked about going to NXT and being intimidated and watching all the women that were there who were had all this experience up on you, and you go forward really only a not many years, only a few years, and you're at the top 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 of the division uh is that surprising to you? Does it feel natural to you
1: um i mean it's it's amazing amazing opportunities that I've been given by WWE. You know, when I started NXT, I started, you know, there's only about five or six girls there. There was Paige, there was uh, Charlotte, Sasha, Bailey, and I think from the girls that are still around, that's about it of who all was there. And, you know, I, I remember I started in FCW in Tampa when it was FCW and my first day I remember sitting next to Charlotte and I was just blown away by how much these girls already knew, you know, because they had all wrestled before and they've had prior experience and it was very intimidating, you know, and I was the smallest one. And I just, I don't know. It was just one of the things I remember hitting the ropes for the first time and taking my first bump and calling my mom and telling her that, you know, this probably isn't for me because it hurts <laughs> and uh, like saying how like it was the girls are so good and I just don't know if I could ever get to that level and to be able to work at NXT and work with these girls and you know to be where I'm at now in the company has been an amazing journey and I know that I couldn't have gotten there without the women who were there before me
0: when did it like click for you when did when did that confidence get instilled in you when was the if there was a moment or a period of time when you were like wow like I'm I'm now one of the girls that I would have looked at intimidated. Like, I, I I, get this.
1: I think it was when I, it was definitely when I won the SmackDown Women's Championship for the first time. You know, being drafted to SmackDown, I, even then I didn't have the confidence of thinking that, you know, I was ready because there were still so many things I wanted to accomplish in NXT. Like, I had never had a TakeOver match I had never, I had barely had many matches because I was selling Blake and Murphy, and you know I never held the title. I there was just so many things that I knew that I was supposed to accomplish before being able to move to the main roster. And when I did, I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll come in under the radar and kick down the door. Like that that was my plan, and that's how I wanted to do it because I knew that I was one of the most um, underwhelming drafts, I guess. <laughs> and. <laughs> So I, I knew that going in, and so I was like, you know what, I'm going to run with this opportunity because if you don't run with it, the opportunities won't come back.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's that's smart, and you have to really figure out how to how to do it right because of that, right? Because even if you're running with it, if you run too quickly or you forget something or you, or you bite off more than you can chew, you can blow an opportunity that way as well, and it's going to be really difficult to be trusted to be given another shot, right?
1: Oh, Absolutely. Any anything can go wrong at any minute, so that's why I always try to every segment that I've given every opportunity. I just I think you know if I'm going to have fun with it, then other people are going to enjoy it. So I just try to even if it's a stressful day or you know the segment's like crazy stressful, I just I try to have the most fun with it as I can because I know that that's going to show through.
0: Who taught you to uh, uh, combat the what chance? Because you're one of the best uh, naturally, and you do something. (laughs) I interviewed uh Stone Cold like years ago and I asked him about the what chance and he really said that it doesn't bother him because the way to avoid doing what the, the fans what chance is to just change your speech cadence and to not, you know, talk like this so that those gaps exist for the whats and he said nobody does that and I watched you right off the bat and you do this thing where you insult the fans and then you also change your speech cadence so they can't dig them back in there it's kind of remarkable
1: uh, well so that happened because <laughs> there was a promo that I did with Naomi it was either Naomi or Becky I can't remember who it was and they said what 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 so loud and so many times that I legit got hot and I I was like I swear to god if you say what one more time and uh, yeah, that wasn't the best way to handle it. <laughs> so after after that, I was like, okay, I need to think of like other ways to like shut that down because that didn't work and it like legit made me really mad. And I was I was like, okay, so if they're gonna try to fit it in, I'm not gonna let them fit it in. And if they're really like trying to, I'm just gonna try to turn it around on them. Like so, I like one of them, I was like, oh, electrical like, is the best they want. And then one of them, I was uh, I was talking about Bailey and the kind stick on a pole match and they were like, what? And I was like, I know, right? I was like, what? And <laughs> And then I just kept talking and so just kind of letting them in on it, let them have their little moment and then take it away real quick because I got more important things to talk about.
0: <laughs> so that was just you like realizing the first time it didn't work right. So let me go back to the drawing board and let me start trying some things.
1: Yeah. Everything is just a trial and error for me pretty much. And you know, like I, I have a writer that works with me on my promos, Johnny Russo. He's really clever with those kind of things too. And like he he was like, after my first one, he was like, yeah, you can't say that anymore, but uh, we can help you think of little things. So after he helped me think of a few things, I've just kind of run with it and just been like, I've got a few prepared in case it ever happens again. But a lot of times it's just how I'm in the moment, uh, like with, you know, the Bailey thing. And when I was insulting the crowd and they started saying what, so I was like, okay, so if you guys agree that you're idiots, say what? And they're like, what? And I was like, see my point. And then just Stuff like that. But it's just its just a lot of just going out there and having fun and, you know, seeing seeing what happens.
0: Uh, do you feel like – is it more pressure now that there are these kind of high expectations on you? Like you said, if you f- – sometimes – and I don't know if this is how you are or not, but I feel like sometimes if you feel like you're an underwhelming draft pick, like you thought you were, there's not that much pre- – there's more opportunity – then there is pressure on you to maintain a standard. Now you've gotten to a place where people are like, no, Alexa Bliss is one of, if not the best on the roster. Do you feel that pressure to perform, or is it feeling just natural that's where you are?
1: Um, I mean, there's always going to be pressure to perform. There's always going to be nerves and you know, pressure to do better. And I always have the mentality, you know, if I beat myself, I'll beat everybody else kind of a thing. So if I go out... And I leave the segment or if I leave Raw a better performer than I was going in, I'm happy. And wherever that takes me is where it takes me. But it's more so just me. I try to push myself to do better and better each time, no matter what I'm given or what the opportunity is. I mean, if I'm going out there and saying one sentence and, I don't know, getting taken out, like I'm going to say the best sentence I can say and get taken out in the best way I can just because I want to be able to, you know, better myself as a performer not necessarily feeling the pressure to do better I always feel the pressure but I don't let it hinder me I let it you know push me
0: yeah motivate you who was uh in NXT who were some of the people that influenced you and and guided you best
1: um well definitely Sarah Amato she was She is my go-to still. I love her to death. I cannot say enough good things about her. She has taught me everything I know. She has been there from day one and, you know, she gave me the best advice I could ever get was it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, you know, and that kind of goes with the whole too fast, too soon and things that you're talking about. Like you have to take it everything day by day. You can't look at the short term, you have to look at the long term and know that it's going to take a while to get there. And So she's taught me a lot of patience and everything like that. And you know, in the ring wise, you know, I've I've learned a lot from working with Bailey, from working with Charlotte and Becky and Sasha. You know, they've they've all made me a better performer in some way or another. And I've had some of my best matches in NXT with Bailey, which you know raised my confidence in the ring because I didn't have a lot of in-ring confidence because I was with Blake and Murphy. And, you know, Blake and Murphy helped me develop the actual Alexa Bliss character. You know, I wouldn't be the bratty person I am without them because I was, you know, this little happy, glittery, tutu-wearing thing. And when I joined Blake and Murphy, I got to really experiment and, you know, have have them to help me evolve and develop who Alexa Bliss really is. And those are definitely people who have helped me and influenced me the most
0: in that NXT, for sure. What's the more difficult schedule? Is it is it being on the road? And I don't mean, you know, difficult might not be the right word, but maybe, uh, I don't know. What's the more difficult schedule? Being on the road uh, on the main roster and all the travel and town to town or being in Orlando and reporting to the Performance Center every day and going through classes and all that?
1: So here's the thing with that, so I, when I was in NXT, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is grueling, because it's like groundhog day, it's every single day you're there, every day in the morning, every day at night, you go to the shows, you build the ring, you tear it down, you drive back home to Orlando, the next morning you're at the PC again at 8am, and the whole thing just goes over and over and over again, and like at least three days a week, your, your schedule is 8am to 1am kind of thing. But you know it's it's very difficult in this way, and but being on the main roster is very difficult as well. You know, you you're traveling nonstop. You're home a few days a week, and then you're just back on the road again. And they're both equally equally difficult in their own ways I would say 100% because I remember thinking that NXT was so difficult schedule wise and then I get on the roster and I'm like oh my gosh this is difficult too and (laughs) neither of them neither of them are easy they're just difficult in their own ways but you know I I'm 100% enjoying being on the road and loving every single second of it because you adapt like NXT after about two years in I was fully adapted to the schedule and I knew that I was sleeping in my own room every night and that was cool But now I'm on the road and, you know, I've adapted to this. And there was one weekend that I had off uh, when the Superstar Shake-Up happened because they didn't have us on live events. And I thought I was going to go crazy because I didn't travel. I was like, (laughs) I should be on the road right now. And, like, you get antsy. And so once you get used to it, it becomes so, so much fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Were you at all, was there any part of you, even though, of course, the goal is to be on the main roster, was there any part of you that felt like you hadn't accomplished everything you wanted in NXT because you hadn't, like you said, had a takeover match. You hadn't had a run with the women's championship. There were there were things that weren't done in NXT. Did you miss any of that or were you happy to skip those steps?
1: No, I mean I was I was happy to get drafted, of course, one hundred percent. I mean that's why we come here to do what we do. We want to get on the main roster. Right. But I think it was more so for I wanted to accomplish those things to kind of show Prove to myself that I can do it. You know what I mean? Because I came in with no experience. I wasn't, I wasn't always respected because of that. And so I just, I guess, I wanted to have that for me, for the validation of knowing I can do this and I'm picking up on this and stuff like that. And it, it wasn't more so for like, oh, I didn't get to do this. I get to do that. It was, it was just personal short shorter goals that I wanted to do but I accomplished the biggest goal (laughs) so I was like okay I'm I'm way more happier with that and I mean I got to go to WrestleMania I got to be in my first WrestleMania as SmackDown Women's Champion and that's like that's the highest thing I probably will ever do at WrestleMania is walking in as a champion and that was just an amazing opportunity to have and I wouldn't trade any of that for
0: anything Did you enjoy that? Like did you know to take that all in? It was an especially long walkway right walking into WrestleMania this year like did you did you mentally take that time to look at the audience and realize what was going on
1: oh absolutely i as soon as i walked out i stood there for a couple seconds i didn't hit a pose or anything i just stood there and just looked around and just kind of took it all in and then started to you know, get into character and do my thing. And as I was walking down, one, I was worried because that thing was, like, 80 yards long, and I have, I'm have i five foot and I have really short legs. And so I was, like, trying to, like, like haul down that thing as fast as I could. But I was also, you know, taking it all in, looking at the crowd, looking at the, the stage, the setup, and just taking it all in because I know that that's one moment that can never be duplicated and one memory that can never be taken away.
0: How did you feel about the uh, uh, ever-so-controversial This Is Your Life Bailey segment that you were uh, a part of a couple weeks ago (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) well (laughs) i I felt about that i just know that it's been deemed the worst segment in raw history so that's (laughs) always something i guess i can i guess i can hang my hat on
0: (laughs) those are those short-term goals right i want to be the women's champion i want to have the worst segment in the history of raw and i want to have a wrestlemania match
1: Exactly. So you know, I'm I'm going both ends of the spectrum here, Sam. I'm <laughs> I've done the things that are the best, and the things that are the worst. What is it? All around performer, I guess.
0: <laughs> when you're when you're kind of out there, right, and you're involved in a segment and you realize it's kind of dying a slow death, like, and you but you know we still have a lot of segment left to do. In your mind, are you like rapid fire trying to think of like, okay, what can I pull out of my hat to? try to save this how can I put some of this heat in the right place like wh- what goes on in your mind
1: oh totally like I, I remember thinking like when the crowd started started chanting like boring and stuff like that I remember like I started like playing with the people's names like just kind of just like I called like <laughs> Mrs. Flapper like flaps and the gaps and stuff like that and I was just trying to like lighten the mood a little bit and like just like messing with the other people Actors, I was like Tracy. Is all right, if I call you Trace, Trace, you cool. You can trust me, Trace. It's like I don't know if it kind of threw her off, but it was. I was just trying to have more fun with it. And when it's when it's slowly dying, you got to try to like pick it up in any way that you can. So I was just like, you know what? If this is going to go down, I'm going to have fun while it's going down. But yeah. it, it, I feel like. It, even though it was deemed the worst segment in raw history, I feel like it could have gone a lot worse. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that bad.
0: <laughs> and listen, I mean, the fact that like. You're now at this place in a relatively short amount of time where you can go out onto Raw in front of all these people and realize what's happening. And instead of like panicking or just melting into a puddle, actually trying to still attempt to have fun out there. Like most people can't public speak at all. The fact that you could still like be like, you know, maybe I'll just try to lighten the mood out here while all this is happening. It's like unfathom, unfathomable for most people. Right.
1: I don't know. I just, that's just how I look at it. I was just like, you know what, we're gonna, have, you know what, we're just gonna have fun with it because it, we could either be miserable and do this, or we're gonna have fun and do this. So we're gonna have fun and do this. That's how we're, that's how it's gonna happen. And uh, I mean, I going into it, I like, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really have any opinion on it if it would be bad or good. I was just, I was just really excited to have fun with it and like throw like the little dolls and trophies off this off the table and just kind of make fun of bailey in the best way i could
0: yeah miss flapper couldn't have been expecting the booze though she seemed really kind of shaken up by the whole thing
1: oh she was so shaken up but you know what's actually funny is someone created a mrs flapper twitter account and followed me and i was like pretty pumped about it <laughs> i was pretty i was like oh we're twitter
0: <laughs> yeah you're still making an impact yeah so after after something like that like like what happens is it kind of a vibe of like okay that didn't work back to the drawing board or is it like oh my god I'm scared that somebody's gonna think that I screwed that up or how does it feel
1: um so with with stuff like that I've never I've never been that person that's like oh my god like this happened because of this person or this happened because of that person no it's a group effort if it if it goes well it's because everybody did well if it went bad it's because it's a group thing like it's it's never i never that person that's like oh this i i did my best but this person didn't do that no it's a group thing we all are in it together and that's how you have to be and because you're only as good as the people that you're in there with you know what i mean and you're as bad as the people that you're in there with and it's 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 all a it's a dance you know you have to work together and so i'm like all right well back to the drawing board, you know, we'll figure out what can we do to have this, like, turn this around, and I thought it was really funny that um, I suggested having one about me the next week, and then Kurt Angle totally called me out on it, and was like, that was the worst segment in all history, and <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, <laughs> I was like, all right, so now we can joke about it, that's good. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, I guess once they say on TV, that was the worst segment ever, it's like, okay, then we're all good, though, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, you know yeah. like, it wasn't that bad, I, I mean, I wasn't... I wasn't super upset about it, if that's what you're trying to ask. Like, I, was, I wasn't I was upset about it. I was just like, oh well, that was – we got through it. Like, you know what I mean? High fives. Right. High fives all right. around. We got through it. You know what I mean? Like, we we did it. We did it. This is your life segment. Like, and, you know, we made fun of Bailey. Like, we got the points that we wanted to get across. And, you know, if it was if it was deemed the worst segment, that's, that's probably – that's my bad. But, you know, and, and, it, and it is what it is.
0: By the way, I've seen things go much worse on shows like SNL. Where it's like they really thought something was going to be funny, and it's just not. It's just not. At least you had something out there. What did you think of? Uh, what did? What did you think of the way the women's? First of all, how did you feel about the fact that there was a women's Money in the Bank ladder match? And is that the type of thing where you see it and wish you were a part of it, or are you like, no, it's cool that it's happening, but I don't need to be slammed on any ladders?
1: Um, I was I was in both minds. You know, I was really excited for the women of SmackDown because, you know, like, Raw has always been deemed the flagship show. And uh, a lot of times, there were times when I was on SmackDown and we felt that, you know, we weren't getting the same kind of opportunity as the women on Raw, you know, the Hell in a Cell match. But then we started getting opportunity. Like, Becky and I had a steel cage match and a tables match. So we were getting opportunity as well. And the fact that they get to have the first ever women Money in the Bank ladder match, I was super excited for them. Obviously, I would love to be a part of that. But, you know, I feel like I've moved I've moved to a different brand and I have other things to accomplish on Raw, you know, so I was super excited for them. Part of me was like, oh, man, I wish I could be a part of that because it just those group of girls are so amazing to work with. And I would have been so, so good to be able to have that moment with them. But, you know, I'm doing other things. So I'm like super excited for them and super happy for them. And plus, I would not like to be slammed on a ladder. No, thank you. Uh, But (laughs) other than that, yeah, it's great.
0: How did you feel about the uh the, the Ellsworth ending?
1: Okay. So, I was happy for Carmella. Actually, I actually called it, okay? I said I uh, I did a thing on com. I said that I think Carmella was going to win it because if if she was in trouble, James is always there to help her. So, I kind of expected it to happen. I kind of like in my mind I was like I wanted to be right about it, you know what I mean? I wanted to be that person that was like I told you guys. But um I was very shocked that it actually did happen because <laughs> I thought it was so far-fetched that, that it wasn't going to happen. and It did. And I was like, Oh man, uh, well, I was really happy for Carmella. You know, I'm super excited for her. I, I love Carmella's character and who she is, but you know, I was, I was very disappointed that, you know, the first ever women's money in the bank ladder match, the, the briefcase was taken down by a man because, you know, like no offense to James, but you know, this was supposed to be a moment in history where our women to have this moment, and the fact that a man had to climb up and take it down for her, is what was really kind of disappointing. But you know, I know that they're having another one in a few weeks, so hopefully, there's a different outcome there. Yeah, but I still want Carmela to it because I'm a big fan of Carmela. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Are you? Uh, this is your on July seventh, Friday, July seventh. You're going to be at Madison Square Garden now. Is this, what, your second or third time wrestling at Madison Square Garden, or is it more than that? Uh, This will be my third. Third time. Is it, now that it's not your first time, is it still a different feeling when you're wrestling in that building, or is it one of those, like, the first time is what it's all about?
1: Oh, no. Every time we're at Madison Square Garden, it's, I thought the second time I was going to be there, I was like, okay, I've, I've done the garden, so it'll be fun, like, No, it's still just as intimidating, just as amazing, because the energy is so infectious there. You know, it's such an amazing crowd, such a historic building and, like, venue, and it's just, like, it's so much fun. And every time it's like, the first time performing there.
0: It's an amazing lineup, too, because they're combining the rosters for this show. It's uh, Roman Reigns is going to be there, AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, Finn Balor, Sasha Banks, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, of course, you, Alexa. Do you have any idea... uh, who you're uh, wrestling on that show yet?
1: I don't, but I feel like if I have to defend my title, obviously I'll be leaving Madison square garden still with my title. Cause I'm not losing my title, especially at the garden in front of all those people. I'm not going to let that happen. <laughs>
0: That's great. Hey, how does your mom, uh, how does your mom feel? Could, or your parents really? Because they said on the, on the, on the special that WWE put out that they moved to Florida to make sure that they were with you and, and, once you get called up to the main roster, you're gone more than you're home. Um, Is that tough for them?
1: Um, I mean, yeah, it's tough on my mom because we're super, super close. You know, my mom is seriously like my best friend. She's been there with me from day one. You know, she ended up moving down to Florida for work and ended up staying with me for a little bit when I was in NXT. So she was there during everything in NXT like she used to go to the shows back when it was FCW and there was like 12 people there you know and now to see where I'm at she's just super excited I mean she's bummed that I'm not home as much but you know she gets to she helps look after my dogs while I'm gone and <laughs> she like she hangs out with the do- the fur babies so she, she's pretty content and then whenever I do get to come home we always hang out and I tell her about the road and everything like that and it's a lot of fun so yeah they're good with it they're fine
0: Has there been anything you've done whether it be a Cage match or a Kendo stick match or whatever it is that your mom has not wanted you to do or been afraid to watch.
1: Oh, every single match she's afraid to watch. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the Kendo stick one, she was pretty pretty scared about. The tables one, she was mortified. Um, she didn't understand the steel cage concept at first, so she didn't really she wasn't really scared about that. But then when they announced that the only way out was through the door or over it, she was like, "Wait, what? You have to like, climb over that thing?" And she was like. <laughs> Super super nervous But she gets really nervous Because she's like Super protective But she's, she's awesome
0: Yeah How do you uh, w- How do you uh, Figure out the psychology Of those matches That you've never been A part of And really very few women Have ever been a part of Like when you Jump into a cage match Or even a tables match Where not a lot of women Have done Table and And cage matches And you haven't done them at all How do you How do you Wrap your head around Okay how do I approach this thing
1: um, well, I do ask a lot of people who have done them before, you know, mm-hmm. for the tables match. We did ask uh, Devon Dudley, you know, if he had any suggestions or any ideas of like how we can, you know, even do this. Because I told him, I was like, I've never gone through a table. <laughs> I was like, how how do I go through a table? <laughs> and he was like, just breathe out. And I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> uh, uh, so I definitely like I get suggestions from people for sure, especially because I've I've never been in this situation, but also, you know, um, I try to think of, like, what would my character do in any situation? You know what I mean? So I know in the cage match, as soon as the bell rings, I'm trying to get out of there. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to be thrown against the cage or anything like that. I'm trying to get out of there first. Right. Um, So I always just try to think of, you know, what would I do in that situation, 100%.
0: I love that, that, like, everybody – you know, watches it and goes, like, oh, what's the secret here? How do they go through those tables without it hurting? And the big secret from the guy who's a master of the table match goes, breathe out. That's, that's it. Other yeah, it, than that, it you're just going feel through good. A table. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. so like, nobody says a good thing about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there's no. Nobody
1: says, oh, it's easy. Oh, that's that. No, they're like, oh, well, pray. This yeah. <laughs> is like, yeah. oh, okay.
0: It hurts a lot. And the biggest thing to remember is to continue to breathe. That's
1: it. Yes. That's it. Uh, sure you're still breathing after.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, everybody, make sure you get your tickets uh, to see Alexa Bliss at Madison Square Garden Friday, July 7th. It's a Friday night, so if you're in the New York area, you really don't have any excuse not to go. And uh, Alexa, I will tell you that more than once I've gone to an arena for a WWE show, and there has been somebody that has shouted at me, Sam you got to talk about Alexa Bliss more. Sam, when are you going to have Alexa Bliss on the podcast? So there are are a lot of happy people out there. So thank you for doing the show. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, no, thank you. I really appreciate it.
0: Here is Sam Roberts. Loved, loved, loved having Alexa Bliss on the podcast for the first time. Uh, We're definitely, definitely going to have her back. Just so much that we didn't even get into. So much to talk to this uh, young lady about. She's doing so well. She's so young, and I think that I don't think she's hit her peak yet. I think she will hit her peak, and uh, she's gonna just blow us away with what she's capable of. I think you're gonna you 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 have the potential to blow yourself and your loved ones away with what you're capable of in the kitchen. You know, springtime is a great time to hit that reset button to retackle personal goals like getting fit, cleaning, and of course, cooking. That's right. Eating at home makes sense. You eat better food, you spend less money, and you can impress people. I know what you're telling me. I can't cook, Sam. How am I going to impress anybody? Well, the answer? Blue Apron. It's incredible home cooking, easy and accessible. What they do is they deliver seasonal recipes with step-by-step instructions and pre-portioned ingredients right to your door And it's for less than $10 a meal. There's no weekly commitment. You only get deliveries when you want them. Customize your recipes based on preferences. It's so amazing. Some of the meals available in June include uh, a warm smoked trout and asparagus salad with fingerling potatoes and garlic croutons. Maybe you prefer the spiced zucchini enchiladas with creamy lime and tomato rice. Uh, uh, Maybe you want some uh, tostadas with summer squash poblano peppers and cilantro rice you could even have a nice peach honey glazed chicken with mashed stewed pota- uh, mashed sweet potatoes collard greens and Thai basil all this from your kitchen it's like a dream come true you're going to look like a million bucks and you're going and, and your food's going to taste like a million bucks uh this is what you need to do Check out this week's menu, and you can get your first three meals free. Dinner's on me tonight, guys, but only if you go to blueapron.com slash roberts. That's right. Three meals for free at blueapron.com roberts. You're going to love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Do not wait. It's blueapron.com slash roberts. blueapron.com slash roberts. It's a better way to cook. Um, speaking of things online, this is not, and this isn't. Nobody's asked me to do this, but I thought, as uh, you guys, there's a lot of buzz in the in the in the wrestling community about this Glow show that Netflix is doing. So we all know Glow. I mean, anybody who's a uh, who was alive in the '80s or was a tape trader or whatever, however you were exposed to it. Uh, Glow is the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. It was an '80s uh, women's wrestling show, uh, and it was it was amazing. It was kitschy. It was funny. It was great. So um, Netflix decided to do a show, and it's a dramatization. You know, it's not it's not uh, exactly a, it's not a true story, but it is true to the thing. There's a documentary right now, so this comes out on Thursday. If you're listening to this on Thursday. And you want to see some glow stuff, then I recommend the glow documentary that's on Netflix. But on Friday, so if you're listening to this it's and it's been out for more than 24 hours, check Netflix and you can watch Glow. Uh, Mark Marin is really good on it, uh, he's the guy who's running the thing. And I had Mark Marin and Alison Bree on my Serious XM morning show, Jim Norton and Sam Roberts, which is on every morning starting at 8 a.m. on Serious XM 103. And I didn't know, I was watching the show. And I was impressed with how wrestling was portrayed because it wasn't kitschy, but it was realistic. You know, they weren't doing things just to either, like it wasn't condescending and it wasn't ridiculous. It was, it was real. It felt real to me, you know, and it's a comedy ensemble. It's it's almost like Orange is the New Black in a wrestling ring, but I was asking, I was looking at it, and, like, you know, the, the, the actresses are working on the show. You know, there's matches, there's practicing, there's the whole deal. And I was looking at it, you know, trying to figure out if they got stunt doubles to do some of these moves. And when they were on, when Mark Maron and Allison Bree, who were the stars of the show, were on Jim Norton and Sam Roberts this week, Allison said that they didn't use stunt doubles, that they, the actresses were working. And it was actually Chavo Guerrero, Jr., who trained them? Chavo Chavito went in on this show and, and, and taught these actresses how to wrestle, which I think is amazing. I love that pro wrestling was taken that seriously. Plus, there's a ton Alex Riley is on the show, uh, uh, Tyrus Brotus Clay is on the show, Carlito's on the show. Uh, there's a ton of wrestlers that just pop up here and there, and it to me adds to the authenticity of the whole thing but it's a very entertaining show, it's a funny show um, and it's it's a, it's a it's a great show that you can watch with like a non-fan and then you can finally use your smarky knowledge to impress them, like you're like oh that's a back bump, you know like I was trying to impress, when I had them on Jim and Sam I was like trying to impress Mark Maron and Jim Norton when I was asking Allison Brie, like oh did you learn to bump? Oh, what'd you do and, and, and she had all the answers. She was speaking in, in language. As a matter of fact, that interview's on YouTube. If you go to YouTube slash Jim and Sam show. Um But it's it's fun because you can watch the show and then explain wrestling to whoever you're watching it with. Because non wrestling fans are gonna get a huge kick out of this show. They're talking about the, the, the actors on it getting nominated for stuff. It's 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 great to see a wrestling related program get this kind of press. So support support wrestling, really. And uh, I would watch glow. I think I think we should all support when when wrestling goes mainstream, it's just a good thing for everybody. You know, if you want to go mainstream and you run your own company, you got to make sure you have the right team. It's like a sports team right if you don't have all the right people in all the right positions you're not going to be able to win any championships and you want to get rings don't you well use that philosophy for your business and use zip recruiter great coaches know that having the right players comes from scouting all the right places that's why zip recruiter helps you're not going to be able to find the best candidates for whatever job you're looking for on one site you need to post on all the top job sites But you don't have time to do that because you don't have employees because you're trying to hire them. So do it with ZipRecruiter. They'll put it on on everything for you. You post uh, your job to ZipRecruiter.com and they're going to post it to 100 plus job sites. It's one click. Then the powerful technology uh, efficiently matches the right people to your position so it's not going to clog everything up. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it's going to find them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. You don't have to juggle emails, juggle all the calls to your offices. You simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy to use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes nationwide and right now my listeners, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast listeners can start forming their own winning team on ZipRecruiter for free. For free. Oh my god. It's true. Go to ziprecruiter.com/sam. That's ziprecruiter.com/sam. It's free. You might as well try it and do so today at ziprecruiter.com/sam. It's amazing. We all get older. We all end up, uh, needing people to do different things, and it's tough to find the right people. So go to ZipRecruiter.com/sam. So much to get into in state of wrestling this week. We've got uh, 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 Ellsworth Gate. We've got everything that happened on Raw and SmackDown. We've got uh, Cover Boy for 2K18. Seth Rollins. It's all very, very exciting. It's an exciting time to be a wrestling fan. It always is, and and, and, and we are, by the way. Still trying to figure out what we're doing in terms of a live event for uh, SummerSlam week. So uh, I I know people try to uh, change travel plans and get here on time. I'm going to – I try to give you as much heads up as I can. But the problem is that I put the priority on getting you guys the best guests. So like I could confirm an event way out in advance. If I was doing it with a guest that like, you know, I could just call up on my cell phone and I knew he wasn't doing anything anyway. But if I want to get you the best guests, which I do, and create the most special events, sometimes it takes some time to plan them before I can officially announce them because I don't want to, you know, say, hey, I'm planning on doing this and then feel silly when I got no event for you. So it is being worked on, um, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, hopefully if we do something, it'll be the Thursday. Probably, but, it, you know, I don't know. I shouldn't even be saying this. I should. I don't have the information for you, but just, just know that if you're planning on traveling, okay? I'm trying to give you as much heads up as I can. What I can give you a heads up on is the fact that State of Wrestling is happening right now. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. There's only one place to start with State of Wrestling this week. Ellsworth Gate. Now, uh, the fact that James Ellsworth won the first ever Women's Money in the Bank ladder match, we talked to Alexa Bliss about it, I can't sit here and tell you, oh, I'm outraged. This was supposed to be historic. This was supposed to be something for the women, because I advocated for it. Three weeks ago on the podcast, you can go back and hear it. As soon as they announced a Women's Money in the Bank ladder match, I said... Ellsworth should win it. Here's the thing, and I said this before, it doesn't, I guess it, no, it doesn't send the greatest message. Wrestling, though, see, we've we've reached this point where we're so worried about the real life implications of things and history of things and all that that we've forgotten that it's wrestling. Right? And that James Ellsworth ruining history is a storyline. James Ellsworth ruining the history for the women is a story. And I get why people are upset about it. My wife was like, I said James Ellsworth is a bad guy. And my wife goes, yeah, but the problem is, in this scenario, WWE is the bad guy. Because it was a women's match. It was the first one in history. I was like, what do you know about ladder matches anyway, Jess? I understand the criticism, and I understand why people are disappointed. I don't think it's always a bad thing to be disappointed. And to me, the mainstream press that this got from places like uh, Deadspin and other websites that were reporting, you know, first ever women's Money in the Bank match gets won by male. Let's really look at it. Okay, James Ellsworth, the character. I'm not talking about real life. We're talking about... WWE television. The character known as James Ellsworth is not portrayed as somebody who has any more skill than any of the women. In fact, all five of the women in the SmackDown ladder match, women's Money in the Bank ladder match, are portrayed as as being much more skilled inside the squared circle than James Ellsworth is. The takeaway from this match was not oh, look, James Ellsworth is capable of winning a ladder match because he's a man, and the women were not capable of it because they're women. We, I, I would believe that most of these women, whether, they, whether it be Becky Lynch or Charlotte or whoever, could beat up, could win in a match against James Ellsworth. James Ellsworth has not been portrayed as the athlete that any of these women are. Nobody who watched the match left thinking, James Ellsworth is better than the women are James Ellsworth can defeat them because he's a man James Ellsworth was a weasel he won it in a weaselly way in a weaselly bad guy way was how he got that briefcase and that fits into who James Ellsworth is a bad guy character did something that upset fans and that used to be what wrestling was about Back in the heyday, and I may be dating myself. I know some of you guys listening, some of you girls listening, are on the younger side of things and don't realize this. But the reason why I have t-shirts that say boo the bad guys is because that's something that people used to do almost universally. And there would be reasons to boo the bad guys. It wouldn't just be, oh, boo him because we said so, please. There would be actual reasons to boo the bad guys and cheer the good guys. And if an article came out about what a rotten guy one of the bad guys was, well, that was a good thing. And if fans were so upset they wanted to murder a bad guy who spoiled what they thought would be a good time, that was a good thing. James Ellsworth is in the grand tradition of wrestling bad guys. It's different when you talk about history, but... The, money, the women's Money in the Bank match, history is not always defined by the outcome. Sometimes it's just the event. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, now I think because people made such a big deal out of it, we will remember James Ellsworth as the winner. That's going to be something that people remember when they think about this match. But who knows? Who knows because the story is now going to be continued into SmackDown. So next week on SmackDown, and that was an interesting choice. They announced this week on SmackDown that next week on SmackDown, there was going to be a rematch for the Money in the Bank match, as well as a rematch in the uh, 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 Lana-Naomi match. And that's a little like, okay, you know, could we have skipped the pay-per-view then? Maybe we should just watch SmackDown. And it's different now because you know you're not actually buying pay per views. You're talking about network subscriptions. But you know I don't know why we have to repeat the entire pay per view. But regardless, I don't. It's not that big of a deal either. Um, you know I'm I'm willing to wait and see what happens at this at this SmackDown. What happens in this rematch? I like the idea of Carmella winning the money in the bank. I like the idea of her having it. That's why I called for her to win. I like the idea of James Ellsworth getting involved. Look, this wouldn't be the first time James Ellsworth got involved in a ladder match. James Ellsworth cost Dean Ambrose a ladder match, if I'm not mistaken, when the James Ellsworth character was first being introduced. He interfered in a men's ladder match. And of course, I understand you want the attention to be on these women. But the the, the ideal isn't that a man has won this match, and now the briefcase is going to be put into play for men, and it doesn't mean anything for the women anymore. It was given to a woman right away. It was done so in a way that James Ellsworth would be used for. The problem here is that this match is being looked at as a mainstream event. And therefore, it's not being treated as a wrestling match. If this is just a match on a pay-per-view, then nobody's complaining about it. If this is just a standard money-in-the-bank match, nobody's complaining about it. And quite frankly, a lot of the people complaining about it are not people that were watching the show. A lot of the people complaining are just complaining because of the idea. Because on paper, a man winning the women's money in the bank match is bad. But in the world of wrestling, bad is not bad. Sometimes the bad guys have to win. And they cheat in order to do so. And they ruin big moments in order to do so. And then sometimes the good guys get their revenge. That's the whole point. That's the reason why bad guys are bad. To, to make us want to see them get their butts kicked. And that's where we're at now with uh, with James Ellsworth. You know, we want him to be unlikable. We want him to be a scumbag. And it's great to me. Here's what I enjoy. I like when reality can be mixed in to story time. Uh, uh, story time <laughs> to storylines. I like that. I think reality should be mixed in. And now you've got this scenario where mainstream publications. And people who aren't even really wrestling fans are talking about the fact that the WWE had the opportunity to make history and they gave this history, uh, they ruined it with a man. And you've done it in such a way where logically the women can come out on SmackDown and be upset over the real life scenario. The women can now say, and men if they want, people on TV can say, James Ellsworth should not have won that match. He ruined a historical moment. James Ellsworth ruined a historical moment. You can say that on TV. And the people at home watching are going, yeah, he did. Because they really feel it. And they really believe it. Because the reality is the storyline. And the storyline is the reality. James Ellsworth did not win the Money in the Bank match because WWE was thinking, oh, We want a man to win the Money in the Bank match because that's the only thing that makes sense. James Ellsworth won the Money in the Bank match because the WWE thought, you know what would be good heat for James Ellsworth? is if he ruined history for people. is if people looked at him as if he were taking something away from these women. As if he were taking something away from the women who worked so hard. And so what happens when people react that way? Is it still falling for a storyline if it's true? It's awesome. It's so it's it's a mixture, it's where it's where you know kayfabe and shoot somehow mix together. So you're saying James Ellsworth ruined a historical moment. Yes, in real life or in storytelling. Right. It's not a bad thing when that happens. And quite frankly, a lot of us were critical of the amount of quote-unquote history that was being made just a couple of months ago. People were critical of the Hell in a Cell match with Sasha Banks and Charlotte. People were critical of the fact that Sasha Banks and Charlotte were quote-unquote making history every two weeks. Just another historical match, and another historical match, and another historical match. It happens over and over and over again. So it's not like this Money in the Bank match was there to usher in a new era. It was just another first in a line of firsts. And at some point, the big swerve has to come because it's wrestling. We're living in a world of sports entertainment. And so that's why I didn't have a problem with what happened with Ellsworth. And I think it's a, it's a decent use of the Ellsworth character. If I was one of the women involved in that, would I have a problem in real life with the way that happened? Yeah, I would. Because I would want to see a woman legitimately win the briefcase. I would want to be that person. But, you know, that's not... That's not where we're at. It's not the way it happened. I mean, I'd be upset if I were a man and James Ellsworth came and and ruined the spot and took it from me. So, I think that that's something that is being lost on some of the people that are critical, is that this is sports entertainment and it is pro wrestling. And what happened fits in with the rotten james ellsworth character that just ruins things and that's the way i saw it you know i thought it was it was a it was a finish that people didn't expect well i did i predicted it three weeks ago but it wasn't expected by many and even the people that saw it as a possibility were like no wwe would never do that again something i'm not against if people don't think you're going to do it or if people don't see it coming, well, that sounds to me like a reason to do it or at least try it. The, only, the, the one issue that I had with the show was the way things were positioned. So, like, I, I, I thought the Ellsworth finish to be a non-finish to the match, meaning it wasn't a, a satisfying thing and we knew that the story wasn't done being told. It wasn't the big pay-per-view blow-off that people expect to see, and my issue was that the next match after that on the card was New Day versus uh, 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 Usos, and that also had a non-finish. I don't, I don't like the idea. I don't even like the idea of two non-finish matches being on the same pay-per-view. You know, I don't think you should have them both on the same show, let alone back to back. You know, it's just a bad. It gives you a bad taste in your mouth. It makes you feel like, oh, is this is this the show I'm watching? Because a lot of the matches on the show were, were good, especially, especially the men's Money in the Bank match. That was good. That was really good. Um, you know, I don't – I actually – and I guess it's no surprise. I don't find it necessary to do a second women's Money in the Bank match. I think Carmella having the briefcase is good. You know, I think the idea that Carmella is going to cash it in, she would cash it in 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 a cowardly way. Charlotte doesn't need the briefcase. I don't think Becky really needs the briefcase. Tamina's not exciting with the briefcase. Um, You know, so I I, I don't... Natty, I don't think, needs the briefcase. I I don't get anybody. I guess if somebody's going to win the briefcase who's not... Carmella it should probably be Becky Lynch that would to me I guess be the one pick that made sense but even that I think I think Carmella is just a stronger choice to hold that briefcase Uh, and it was also done in a way where the Baron Corbin win didn't feel like such a repeat even though it's, it's the same sort of dirty opportunistic heel win for Carmella and Baron Corbin the fact that the Ellsworth finish left it feeling like they were two separate matches. Like it didn't get repetitive, which I thought was good. So I really didn't have a problem with the Ellsworth finish. I understand that everybody that did is, is, is fairly ballsy. Some may say stupid. Others may say ballsy of WWE to, do, to finish the women's match that way because they had to know how much criticism they were going to get. They had to know it was going to get bad. Speaking of getting criticism... Boy, at one point I was trending on Twitter. I had another amazing time hosting the kickoff show uh, for uh, for Money in the Bank last week. You know, I just I, it's just... I can't explain to you how much I love doing those. And the team over there at WWE, all the behind-the-scenes guys, the producers, everyone over there, is just so, so, so good at their jobs. Like, it's inspiring. It makes me want to go back to serious and, like, whip some people into shape and being like, do you know how good we could be? But... I got some serious, serious internet drama thrown my way, mainly a little bit because of my gender comments, but mainly because of what I said about Nakamura. I believe at one point I was trending on Twitter, low in the top 20, but still a trend, for what I said about Nakamura on the kickoff show, which was that he was a rock star in his entrance, He's a rock star when he came to the ring, but that we hadn't seen him be a rock star in the ring. Since getting to SmackDown. We hadn't seen him be a rock star in his matches yet. And I didn't think that that was a very out of line statement that I made. I guess I could go back and watch it because maybe I worded it wrong or I sounded too intense or whatever it was, but it didn't feel to me when I said it like it was that out of the blue. I felt like it was an opinion shared by a lot of people. It's an opinion I've read a whole bunch and it's an opinion I tend to go like, yeah, you know, his matches uh, uh, leading up to Money in the Bank were not these, like, amazing things. Think about when, when Nakamura showed up at NXT, when he showed up at TakeOver uh, a year and change ago, and he wrestled Sami Zayn in Sami's last NXT match at TakeOver Dallas. His entrance was spectacular, but it was that match that made people fall in love with him. It was it was the matches Nakamura was having that made it so every movement that he made with his body in the ring was the most over thing ever. It was the matches that was doing that. It was his his stuff he was doing in the ring. And all I was trying to get across on the kickoff show was I hadn't seen it. Really, I, I should have said the word strong style. We were running low on time, I think, at that point. But that's really, to me, what it was, is that we hadn't really seen Strong Style on SmackDown since coming over from NXT. It is something we saw on NXT. You know, it was obvious why he was called the King of Strong Style over there. And it just wasn't something I had seen on SmackDown yet. And it was something that I think a lot of people hadn't seen on SmackDown yet. But some people didn't like that I said that. So, I mean, so be it. It's, It's my opinion, and I stand by it. And I'll tell you, to me, the proof was how good what he did at Money in the Bank was. How good Nakamura was at Money in the Bank. When he came out, he was that is Shinsuke Nakamura. That is the King of Strong Style. The stuff he was doing with AJ Styles in the ring. He didn't even have an official entrance at Money in the Bank. But the stuff that he did with AJ Styles in the ring at Money in the Bank was the stuff that I would love to see him do on SmackDown, you know, maybe not every single week because we keep it special, but every two or three weeks, have Nakamura do a cool match on SmackDown and on the pay-per-views have him do a cool match that looks like what he did with AJ Styles. That's that strong style, that's intense, that's balls to the wall. Because that's the Shinsuke Nakamura that people, if we're being honest, love. That's the Nakamura that, that people get so excited about seeing. And that's really what I was trying to get across in in my statement on the kickoff show. But a lot of people... I, I mean, I guess that's the way... And I don't mind it. I guess that's just the way wrestling is, that if you, if you throw shade in any way, shape, or form... And it's not even shade, in my opinion. It's kind of like if we're looking at it objectively, I think that's what we see. But if you say something that's anything but glowing about somebody who's as popular as Nakamura, I guess you're going to get a lot of feedback. A lot of flack, as it were. And Nakamura should be proud of himself. Look, Nakamura is one of my favorite wrestlers. Go back over the last two years and listen to this podcast. I was talking about how amazing Nakamura was in New Japan. I was, the, I was so excited when he came over to NXT. I couldn't believe it when he'd actually gotten signed. I was always optimistic. I wasn't one of the people who was sitting there going like, oh, you know, when he comes to the main roster, they're not going to be able to know what to do with him. I said when he came to the main roster, he would be one of the top guys because that's the only thing he knows how to do. That if he just does what he's been doing, he's going to be one of the top guys on the main roster. I've always been a major, major, major supporter of, of Shinsuke Nakamura. And I always will be. I mean, he's one of my favorites, for God's sake. He's the man. The best. My Nakamura action figure is sitting on my shelf right now. I got to move it from the NXT section to the SmackDown section, because that's where he's at right now. All I was saying was that I want to see the guy we saw at Money in the Bank, because you can't sit here and tell me that the Nakamura that we saw at Money in the Bank was not different from what we've been watching on SmackDown and what we watched at the last pay-per-view in the Dolph Ziggler match. It just wasn't the same thing, and maybe it's the combination of opponents, maybe it's instructions he's gotten, maybe he's just trying to save you know, some of the better stuff for later. Who knows? And I'm fine with all that, by the way. But if I'm going to go on a pre-show and make an observation about stuff... Then I'm gonna I'm gonna say what it is. It did teach me though, boy oh boy, I have two choices here. That's the that's the bottom line. This is why I just go on and give my opinion. I'm just I I just have to be honest because if I'm too positive, then it's shill Robert shill, and if I say anything critical about certain guys, then I'm out of my mind trending because everybody hates me so much, which is fine. Neither one of those two bother me. So I'll just be the guy who's a big fan of the show. And so I'll usually look for the positive in things, but if I think somebody is capable of giving more, whether it's them, whether it's writing, whether it's booking, whether it's opponent choices, whether it's whatever, I'm gonna say, I don't know what all the elements are, but there is something there that I'm not seeing, that I could be seeing. There is something in that guy that I've seen. If I sit here, And I tell you, I can't wait till that guy gets to the show. I can't wait till that guy gets to the show. I can't wait till that guy gets to the show. And he starts doing something that's not quite what I thought he was going to do. Then I'll probably say, well, the reason that I kept saying I couldn't wait until he gets to the show was because he does something else. Oh, no, 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 There's this other thing that he does. And I think that that's fair. You know, I think that that's fair. I think that we have to be able, on some level... To recognize when our favorite guys have more to offer. And what Nakamura has to offer is what he offered at Money in the Bank. And I know that right now it's AJ Styles and Kevin Owens, but, and it's tough because they're both good guys, but your SummerSlam match is AJ Styles versus Nakamura. I mean, you talk about two of the best wrestlers in the world. AJ Styles is absolutely blow your brains out of your skull incredible at what he's doing right now. I can't wait to talk to him again because I got to ask him. You know, he's at the point in his career where he's got to work smart. You know, he's not 25. So he's not going to be able to bounce back from an injury as quickly as some others may. And the fact that he is still doing the Jeff Hardy hanging from the ceiling, briefcase ladder but no ladder bump all the way down to the ring and it's a front bump? Oh my God. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I mean, how do, you, how do you protect yourself in that scenario? I don't think you do. I think you do what Alexa Bliss was talking about in table matches. You just try to remember to breathe. Just breathe out on your way down and remember it's going to hurt and be done with it. I think that's all you can do. But I, I'm just I, so so impressed with AJ Styles, and I really think that that's your SummerSlam match. I think you can do your Kevin Owens AJ Style match at, at uh, Battleground, which is the ne- I think the next SmackDown pay per view, and then after that, you find somebody new for Kevin Owens for SummerSlam. Um, you know, there's a lot of different people it could be, and you move into AJ Styles. Versus Nakamura. I wouldn't mind seeing, like, maybe you've got, like, a, a a John Cena versus Jinder Mahal, Randy Orton versus Kevin Owens, Shinsuke Nakamura versus AJ Styles going into SummerSlam. Something like that works for me perfectly. Something like that, I, I, I think uh, it'd be tough to go wrong on. I, the match that I really want to see at SummerSlam. It's that John Cena versus Roman Reigns. But, you know, I don't think that that's going to happen. Speaking of Roman Reigns, the Braun Strowman return on Raw, I would say this week's Raw was much better than last week's Raw. Still had some spots, you know, still has room and growth potential. But all you can do is go week to week. And I would say this week's Raw was much better than last week's Raw. Braun Strowman's return was done perfectly. Because it did a few things. See, what I saw when I watched Braun Strowman return is not only did we get that rush, like, oh, yeah, Braun is back. And one would think that, you know, the ambulance match will happen in Great Balls of Fire. But I'm sitting there looking at it going, okay, Samoa Joe just beat Roman Reigns. That means if Samoa Joe wins the title, he still gets to say... Roman Reigns, you've never beaten me. And the fact that Roman Reigns has never beaten him now leads me to believe that Samoa Joe may be able to conquer the beast. Samoa Joe may be able to conquer the beast at Great Balls of Fire. Now, realistically, do I think Samoa Joe is going to beat Brock Lesnar? No. But the idea that you can have Samoa Joe win the match against Roman Reigns, and he does it in such a way where Roman doesn't look weaker, in the sense that uh, he didn't win, he didn't lose clean. He was distracted, but at the same time, Samoa Joe didn't get squashed. It was not a foregone conclusion that Samoa Joe was going to win that match. I mean, there was Samoa Joe was going to lose that match. I mean, either way, it wasn't a foregone conclusion. But it was not. You weren't looking at that like, oh, you can't tell me. That had Braun Strowman not interfered, Roman Reigns would have won that match. He might have. I can't guarantee you that Samoa Joe would have, but that's the point. That Samoa Joe didn't even lose morally. You know, if a guy beat, if a bad guy wins a match by cheating, and he does it in such a way where he saves his butt where he knows, like, oh boy, he would have lost had he not cheated. Then it it, it it exemplifies the bad guy qualities in the bad guy, but it doesn't make him look, like, unstoppable. It doesn't make him look like a destructive force. It doesn't make him look stronger. This made Samoa Joe look stronger without taking anything away from what... Uh, is in the future for Roman Reigns. I do wonder what happens because a lot of people... So, Samoa Joe, and that's that's the other thing. Roman Reigns said that at SummerSlam he wanted to face the heavyweight, the universal champion. So it's like, okay. And by the way, the Roman Reigns promo that we saw on Raw, the only issue I had with it was more please Give me that Roman Reigns even more. That's the Roman Reigns that I've been waiting for, that a lot of people have been waiting for. If that's not a heel Roman Reigns, I don't know what is. I think that's about as close to a heel as you're going to get. He's not going to force the kids to boo him. He's never going to force the kids to boo him. He's not going to do things that like are traditional bad guy things where, okay, now you have to boo this man. But all that said, he's giving people that boo him their reason to boo him. Quite honestly, the first real breakthrough that I had with this podcast, the first big podcast that I did, was my interview with Roman Reigns that uh, aired a couple of days after his Royal Rumble win. It's the first, if you go back through the archives, and that's, I mean, we keep them free, so up until episode one, this is episode, what, 139 now, scroll down to episode one and then find the first Roman Reigns interview. And listen to that. That was the biggest interview I had done up until that point on this podcast. People responded in droves because that was Roman Reigns. They took being a bad guy. There were some people that speculated that he came on my po- was turning heel on my podcast. He was sent to my podcast to turn heel. That I read that speculation. Maybe he did, but the Roman Reigns that we saw on Monday Night Raw is the Roman Reigns we heard on this podcast those years ago. And it's the Roman Reigns who's arrogant. It's the Roman Reigns who really does think that he's better than everybody else. It's the Roman Reigns who is going to brag that he beat The Undertaker. Who's the last guy that bragged that he beat The Undertaker and rubbed it in everybody's face? It was Brock Lesnar, and that's when he was a bad guy. I don't think this is a bad thing. I think this is a good thing. I think this is about as good as we've seen Roman Reigns. I'm interested in what you guys think of it, but... I was impressed by it. I was impressed not only with Roman, not so much with Roman Reigns' performance, and the only reason I wasn't impressed per se by the performance was because I knew that Roman had that in him. Like, that's the Roman I was waiting to see. I was impressed by the fact that the, the powers that be at WWE decided to go with it. That's what impressed me that finally, because you kind of think it's never going to happen. And like I said, it wasn't a full on heel turn, he didn't turn into a bad guy. But it was pretty close. And I think it's about as close as we're going to get. And it was true. It was real life. You know, I think that he really thinks that he's better than everybody. And he's pointing out the guys that he's beat. And uh, 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 I think that that's the Roman Reigns we want to see. 2K18 announced their cover superstar is Seth Rollins this week and they, uh, they showed the commercial for the first time which is Seth Rollins with a mask on and he's going through the WWE warehouse and he's burning up all the like legend stuff like he kicks down a DX helmet and he sets a Ric Flair robe on fire and he's swinging around a sting and a cactus jack baseball bat and he's just got no respect for what came before him and all I could think of was how amazing because I didn't see one bad review of that commercial. People liked it even better than last year's downtown commercial. The, it, How amazing would it be if we saw that Seth Rollins on TV? Like, I don't even... Because I, I read an interview with Seth Rollins. And he was talking... They were asking him, you know, how did you end up on the cover of this game? or Or whatever it was they were asking him. And he explained... The the theme of this game are complaints that he had for real, which was, hey, what are you doing with the game? It's insulting to the stars of today for you to put uh, legends, part-timers, whoever you put on these game covers. You're not acknowledging the people that are doing this now. You're not acknowledging the superstars of today. And he's right. He's right about that. When you have a game that's all about, and Stone Cold Steve Austin is my favorite wrestler of all time there's nobody that's been better but when you have a game that's all about stone cold steve austin all it does is point out how stone cold steve austin is cooler than the other people on the roster it's the same thing that happens when when the rock comes back and he squashes a bunch of guys it's like i get that the rock is the biggest movie star in the world but at the same time what you're doing there it's it's the reason why i hated WrestleMania 27 so much. Not because The Miz walked in with the championship, because if you watch the video package before The Miz walks out for his match against John Cena at that WrestleMania, you'll be you'll buy in. You'll buy into The Miz. The reason why I hated that WrestleMania ending was because John Cena and The Miz both got taken out by The Rock. And the show ended with The Rock celebrating with the audience, and it was just it doesn't matter what's happening on our roster right now. It doesn't matter who's who. It doesn't matter what's what. All that matters is The Rock used to wrestle here, and how cool is that? And you're like, yeah, it's cool, but there's a whole bunch of other guys that are wrestling here right now. I think The Miz and John Cena are stars. Explain, Show me, as as a fan of The Rock, why The Miz and John Cena are the ones in the main event. Because right now, what I'm getting from you is the reason The Miz and John Cena are in the main event of WrestleMania is because The Rock is too busy to do it. And that is no way to make a star in your promotion. So that's I feel the same way about, about the games that focus too much on stars of yesterday instead of stars of today. Imagine how compelling the TV would be if the Seth Rollins that's on that 2K17, uh, 2K18 commercial was on the TV. Was on Monday Night Raw. How amazing would that be if the stuff we saw on that commercial was the stuff that we saw on TV every week? That's what I want to see. I want to see Seth Rollins come out and not give a damn about the people that came before him. I want to see Seth Rollins come out and not be like eternally grateful. Like I don't think that the Seth Rollins character. I do not think that he should be sitting there going, I'm on the cover of 2K18, and, you know, I'm taking my place with these legends. Like, he's grateful for it. Like, he's like, oh, man, there was Stone Cold, and The Rock, and Brock Lesnar, and now me. Man, oh, man, I'm in good company. No. Seth Rollins should be... Exactly. You get the baby crying about it. That's how upsetting it is. Seth Rollins should be on TV going, Hey, Rock, Cena, Brock, Stone Cold, lucky you guys, now you're in the same sentence as me. I want to see a young star in WWE, and I'm not talking about going so far as the legend killer. I don't mean a guy whose whole gimmick is just going out there and disrespecting legends. I mean, you know, when, when Hulk Hogan came out, he wasn't sitting there reminding people how much better Bruno Sammartino and Bob Backlund were than he was. He was coming out and grabbing his spot. When Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart and Steve Austin and The Rock were taking their spots, they were not going and being like, hey, how great was Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior? No. As a matter of fact, they were saying, isn't it so much better to have us than those old fogies? They said fogies. I don't know if they actually said fogies, but they, you know, said it without saying it. You know, I and so I'm left sitting there going, why is this generation so in awe of the generation before them if previous ones haven't been? Why is this generation? And I understand, you know, maintaining the value in uh, uh in in your in your legends, of course, especially with the network and all this stuff. Like, sure, of course. You want to build up the fact that The Rock and Stone Cold and Shawn Michaels and all these people, but I want to believe that AJ Styles and Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns are better, and Baron Corbin. I want to know that Baron Corbin is better than Kane, or at least thinks he is. I want to know that Seth Rollins believes himself to be better than Shawn Michaels, I don't want to see Seth Rollins happy to be mentioned in the same sentence as Shawn Michaels. I want to see Seth Rollins expecting Shawn Michaels to be grateful to be mentioned in the same sentence as him. I don't want to hear Sami Zayn thinking that he's a, a privileged to be in the same conversation as Bret Hart. I want Sami Zayn to think he's better than Bret Hart. And the reason why I bring up people like Sami Zayn is because it's not even a bad guy thing. It's not like I want a heel to come out and be like, I'm better than the the legends were. No, 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 no. I want the good guys to think that they're better. I want the good guys to not mention them at all. I want the good guys to not... I want my wrestlers to not be wrestling fans. Except for Bayley. Because that's her gimmick. You know, I want my guys... Making fun of the Hardy Boys for being old. I want, you know, all of this. I want when, when, when Shawn Michaels comes back, I don't want him being self deprecating. I want Dean Ambrose to tell him he's over the hill and doesn't belong out there. And if he slaps Dean Ambrose, I want Dean Ambrose to knock him out. Because Dean Ambrose is today, you know? I don't want the new day to be excited to see any of these legends. I want the new day to be like, look, we're doing what you did only ten times better. We're growing from this. The message that is being uh, delivered in this new uh, WWE video game is right. Is right on. But I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it on television. You know, I'd love to see it on TV. Samoa Joe versus Roman Reigns should be treated like a bigger match than any of these matches that have happened before. Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn should be looked at as a feud on the level of Triple H versus Shawn Michaels. At least in their eyes, you know? And maybe it's because... We've reached a point in WWE where, look, when you create things, right? When you create things that you're proud of, you're never going to let them go. Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock and Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker and that generation of characters was created to save the WWE. That generation of characters, they were created... Because WWE was failing in the ratings to WCW and was losing money. And those characters were created and they saved the WWE. So maybe there's this thing where the creator doesn't like the new creations as much as the old ones because he's attached to them because of how much those creations did for him. Maybe the fact that guys like AJ Styles and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and and Seth Rollins and those guys... Maybe they made such an impact outside of WWE that they don't want them making a bigger impact inside. I don't know what it is. But I I, I think that the message delivered in that video game commercial is right. And it's something that needs to be followed through on TV. The millennials do not care about people that came before them. They think that they don't get it. The millennials, they care about themselves. They're selfish generation. That's what I want to see on TV, you know, even with the women. I want to know that Charlotte thinks she's better than Lita. I want to know that Naomi thinks that she's better than Trish Stratus. I want Alexa Bliss to think that she's better than Trish Stratus. That's what I want. And go out on TV and say it. Say it. Say you're better than the Hall of Famers, you know. Why not? Why not? Why not? I want to know that Sasha Banks thinks that she's better than Beth Phoenix. And whether she is or not is debatable. But I want to at least know that she thinks it. Not that, like, oh my god, I'm just lucky to be here. No. No. Only Bailey. That's Bailey's character. The rest of them. I want Sasha Banks to think that her frog splash is better than Eddie Guerrero's frog splash. No more earnesty. Enough. Enough. I want these guys, you know, and gals, killing it and announcing to the world we are the supreme generation. I want Rusev to say, if you thought the Iron Sheik was a legend, you ain't seen nothing yet. Machka. Is that too much to ask? I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. But I I find the possibility exciting. I find it to be potentially very, very exciting. All right, guys. That uh, eats up our time this week for the State of Wrestling. Don't forget to get yourself a a Sam Roberts t-shirt if you're coming to New York. Uh, We're still uh, ironing out some details. Make sure you subscribe to the mailing list at NotSam.com because as soon as I know if we're doing a live show SummerSlam week here in New York, I'll send out an email through the mailing list. Uh, So go to NotSam.com, subscribe to the mailing list, and... Get yourself a t-shirt at notsam.com slash merch. You will not regret it if you go to notsam.com slash merch. And I'll see you uh, next week, God willing, uh, here in the state of wrestling on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening. listening. Follow at
1: NotSam on Twitter,
0: Instagram,
1: Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.